Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 272, covering Revulsion and The Raven, with Caitlin Purdy. Hi, friends. As Dave told you, our friend Caitlin is back with us because there's seven of nine to discuss. Welcome back, Caitlin. Yeah. I am very happy to be here talking about seven of nine. Yeah, you are. Speaking of that, let's just get this out of the way, way right away. Uh, Jerry Ryan is now my good, great best friend. Yeah, how did you, uh, how'd you finish the book one out? Well, uh, I happened to just quote something from Memory Alpha in Facebook. I, I found a quote that said she passed out because her silver outfit was so tight. And I said, wow, that's rough. And then she actually chimed in and said, uh, that's not actually true. The thing that made me pass out was the Borg suit. Yeah, I was looking. Apparently, uh, there's a thing in the neck that actually was pinching her cardioid artery. Artery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but she actually like the real Jerry Ryan like uh, said that, and I said, "Wow, we're do we do a podcast?" Blah 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 blah. And uh, you're a great addition to the cast. And she said, "I quote, smiley face." Oh, so next week we're getting her on the show, right? Clearly. Uh-huh. No, I, I did not want to say uh, come on our show or listen to our show. I just wanted to give her the context for we do a show and I've watched all of Star Trek and you are a great addition to all of Star Trek. My worry there would be, well, I mean, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Me and Garrett Wang are still great friends. So, you know, I'll oh. just tell him about the show. Please don't. That's OK. <laughs> no, no, no. The next the next step now is that we introduce her to Caitlin. Mm. Yeah. She and I talked about this a long time ago. Like, I'm like. Using our fame. Basically. It's all about me. Yeah. You're using us to get to her. I have been this whole time. The only reason I'm friends with you, Al, is to get to Jerry Ryan. I I understand. I mean, I only just briefly spoke with her online like a couple of days ago, but uh, yeah, you know. This is what's called the long game. The long game. Definitely. Uh, Also, this week, two more episodes that we did not dislike. Yeah, can we, like, just take a look at season four? We've had one bad episode out of, what are we up to, seven, six? Yeah, these are six. These are three pairs of episodes so far. And uh, so far, (coughs) it's a pretty damn solid record. Six good episodes is better than everything season three did. Yeah. I knew it got better. You you were right. It's not just because of seven, though. I mean, it's largely because of seven. No, she definitely doesn't hurt. But this first one that I'm I'm about to summarize for you uh, primarily focused on uh, uh, the Doctor and Bellana. Mm-hmm. That was that was a pretty good one too. Let me let me tell you about it. Let me tell yeah. you about Revulsion. Revulsion. We open on some other ship where some silver-faced dude has clearly just killed one or more other dudes. This will be significant later. Over on Voyager, a ship where we actually care about what happens to at least fifty percent of the crew, Tuvok, who is very much in that fifty percent, is receiving a promotion. Good for him. And this is apparently celebrated by his co-workers telling vaguely racist stories about him. Like that time Tom reprogrammed the ship to say, Live long and prosper, whenever Tuvok tried to launch a ship-saving proton torpedo. Hilarious! The frivolity is interrupted by a distress call from a holographic entity who ends up being that silver-faced dude I mentioned a minute ago. Only when the Doctor and Bell beam over to see what's up, apparently they think he's a completely innocent hologram and not that he murdered anyone. But we know that he did. I told you that would be significant. What follows is an exploration of the Doctor's holomanity as this other hologram goes on and on about how difficult it is to be trapped in a small space and, and serve disgusting humans. Seriously, this guy has a positively Robothinian distaste for the human body. Then we discover he did a bunch of murders, which I guess was supposed to be a surprise, even though it was literally the first thing we saw in the episode. Eventually, they disable the killer hollow dude and his sinister holographic goldfish. No, really. And escape. Meanwhile, on Voyager, the most epic cock blocking in all of Star Trek history happens as Harold tries to pick up Seven, and she responds by looking him square in the eye and saying, sure, let's do it. Unsurprisingly, Special Boy runs away screaming, leaving a Special Boy-shaped hole in the wall. <laughs> Seven then turns to the camera, winks, and says, Ain't I a stinker? Uh, Harry, you're the worst. He's pretty much the worst. Just, like, just spend, <clears throat> the, like, 
almost the entire episode just, oh, maybe we could, you know, what are you getting up to? Oh, Borg stuff, huh? That's really interesting. Listen, I thought maybe we could get together sometime and maybe go on a moonlit <laughs> walk through the sea and have a picnic. And she's like, let's go down the list of all the stuff you're doing right now. Your pupils are dilating, you're sweating, you're breathing heavy. You're into this. In fact, this is my quote. I'm just going to go ahead and play this now. I may be new to individuality, but I'm not ignorant of human behavior. I've noticed your attempts to engage me in idle conversation. And I see the way your pupils dilate when you look at my body. I don't know what you're talking about. Obviously, you've suggested a visit to the holodeck in the hopes of creating a romantic mood. Are you in love with me, Ensign? Well, no. Then you wish to copulate? No! <laughs> I mean, I, I... I don't know what I mean. All of these elaborate rituals of deception. I didn't realize becoming human again would be such a challenge. I, it is just, just fantastic. <laughs> so good. And that, that was really my good thing. And actually, it's Caitlin's too. So we'll mm. just, we'll get these both out of the way now. The, the whole, like, it's a thread through the entire episode. And the conclusion of it, just her just shooting him down like I just played, was hilarious. Because I didn't see it. I didn't see it coming. I, Star Trek doesn't usually go there. No. For her to just straight up say, okay, let's go. Yeah, look, I've been a, I've been a human for roughly a month now. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. I'm down for some sex. I guess I can settle with you. No one else. I, the thing interested. is, apparently Jerry Ryan was a little disappointed in that scene because she said like I wouldn't be making jokes yet. I didn't take it as a joke. No, I thought she was playing it completely straight. That's one of the yeah. reasons I liked it. That's why it was funny. It was completely in character, <clears throat> and I didn't see it coming. And it also completely shut him down. Yeah. And Caitlin, your your good thing kind of. Uh, kind of uh, mirrors that, correct? Yeah, it was the same thing. And honestly, when I saw that it was your good thing, I was going to try to pick something else, but there was just nothing else. There's nothing else that's as good as this. No, you're you're on a different aspect of it. Yeah. You're you're the guest. You're allowed to take whatever you want. (laughs) That's right. I am the special boy this week. Ooh, that's true. You won't complain that the girls aren't hot enough. uh, The girls are hot enough. I believe that they are more than hot enough. And And not one iota hotter. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's so funny because he is trying to initiate something and she's just like, hell yeah. And then he cowers away like a little scared lamb. He's trying to initiate like five steps back, like this passive aggressive <laughs> bullshit. Let's go have a soda together. And she's like, no, let's fuck. It's like he learned how to date from Archie comics, old Archie comics. <laughs> Yeah, like he really wants to have the the, the milkshake with the two straws. With gonna take range. you down to gonna take you down to Pop Neelix's chocolate shop. Ugh, that's not something I want to see. He's I mean, not prepared. Neelix in general. They're they're drinking out of those two straws, but really they're just two giant six foot Neelix hairs. Ah. <laughs> there has been a remarkable lack of Neelix so far this season. Um, another reason this season's been so great. I, th- th- those are not coincidences, I think. No. Also, Caitlin and I were talking earlier. Um, I, like we we don't always all agree on which characters are good and which characters are not. But I have yet to meet someone who can say Neelix is a good character. Just, yeah, just, there's nothing about him that I like ever, yeah. from no. start to finish. He's never done anything that I find admirable or entertaining. Well, he's be, yeah, he's meant to be the comic relief. Do you find him funny? Negative. Okay. I find that he sucks the life from every scene that he is in. Oh, totally. Good. Okay. It's just, just, just like be clear. It's just his appearance in a scene just will automatically whatever ha- else is happening in that scene will it'll automatically just be not as good because he's just in the background going. Ah, yeah, the momentum of and and they want to set so many scenes in the mess hall. Hmm. And he's always just like at any moment he could be that waiter that comes over to your table and sits next to you and asks ah, you what you're gonna have and like bonjour. Ah. <laughs> Like nobody wants that waiter. Like I'll be, I'll like I like being nice to my waiter. I like having an understanding, and the understanding is take my order, and then let's both leave each other alone, please. I, you oh, still yeah. have a job to do, and I have a meal to eat. I just started picturing him as uh, as Grover the waiter. <laughs> no, because I feel bad for Grover the waiter. He's usually like in way over his head. Really? Because I always felt bad for the blue guy. Oh, I feel bad for the blue guy too. Blue guy who like just wants to get a fucking cheeseburger and like someone. Sometimes he wants to get a buck, 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 buck sandwich or something like that. If if he's the blue sound guy versus the blue regular guy. Caitlin, yeah. are we losing you with this whole uh, 
Sesame Street. I'm not. Oh, Sesame Street. I was yeah. like, I feel like it's familiar, but I don't really. Now I know what you're talking about. That's okay. a that's a little bit way back for me. Okay. Just talk about the memory banks. Fair enough. Uh, On Matt, the same note, though, like of uh, Neelix, I the thing about him, even if he wasn't like as terrible as he is, he is competing with people in previous uh, runs of this show who are phenomenal. Oh yeah, at oh, their yes. like bartender role. Oh uh, yeah, if you want to compare him to Guinan or Quark, there is no. That's exactly what I was just thinking of Guinan and Quark. I'm like looking in my my own brain at like his. Yeah. Comparable people who knock it out of the freaking park, and like here he is just spreading hair. Yeah, like Quark was such an interesting character; he could have easily like had his own show. Yeah, Elix is not even the most interesting guy in an empty room. <laughs> that is true, but uh, Neelix is barely in any of these. Was the original point, so we shouldn't take up a lot of our time talking about him. Uh, Matt, what was your good thing about this episode? Uh, what was my good thing? I love Paley von Psychopath. Really. Uh, <laughs> Not just for his, uh, not just for his uh, hatred of the human body, which I am not going to lie, I did agree with on a bunch of points. He's talking about all the like. I mean, do you remember any of the specific references offhand? Yeah, just walking around, fucking humans walking around, sweating, leaving their greasy oil all over all, all over the nice clean uh, uh, countertops, fucking having having to shit and piss every fucking day. <laughs> not like the not like the clean perfection of the holographic goldfish. Right, which he did have. I didn't make mm-hmm. that up. I that was one of the things that sold it for me. Like I like he, he goes on a bunch of really uh, weird rants, including one at Villana that's that, that I quite like. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a scene where after they've figured out that there might be something a little off about this guy, he just appears holding a goldfish bowl, and it's just like what what the fuck is happening? It's like one of those just absurd, strange things that can really throw you off just because it's the last thing in the world you were expecting to see today. I just didn't think he was strange enough. Mm. And and the actor I didn't think was very good. In fact, that was my bad thing. Mm, that's fair. It's Okay, first of all, the fact that they completely tip their hand at the very beginning. Like in the teaser, they show him killing guys. And then oh, yeah. when Balana and the Doctor beam over, it's like, Okay, why is this guy acting suspicious? We don't know. And it's like, as the audience, we do know. Mm-hmm. And, like, if it's supposed to be a mystery, maybe make it a better mystery. Yeah, but, no, you don't You don't start on him, like, hiding a dead body. You maybe have the have Polana uh, uh, and the doctor, you know, finding blood. Or right. a dead body. Or, you know. Something. A penguin Anything. hand puppet. You know, something to tip, uh, <laughs> tip someone off. Oh, it definitely had a Rimmer goes crazy. That was that was my yeah. bad thing. I, I, I don't know what it is. I, if I wish I hadn't seen that episode of Red Dwarf, mm-hmm. or I wish that they had clearly, <laughs> that they clearly had seen that episode of Red Dwarf, where Rimmer goes insane and tries to kill everyone on the ship with his hand puppet, Mr. Flibble. Um, his, his penguin hand puppet. His, hang, his penguin hand puppet. Um... I will say that I uh, I definitely didn't expect to see that particular plot on another TV series again, but uh, here we are. Oh, you know, that old trope. The yeah, hologram the, uh, goes crazy with a penguin puppet. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, the fish, in this case, would play the part. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. No, the, the, thing, the thing is, it's an interesting idea, I guess, but, and, and I do like what it does with the Doctor. Like, it kind of gives him an opportunity to, to measure where he's, like, how far he's come and, like... Yeah. Here's a hologram that hates humans. I'm not that guy. I'm better than that guy. So that I, I always like that kind of thing. But like, to the guy who played him, the the suspicion he was playing was so like his eyes just going shifting back and forth and like wringing his hands and just like oh I'm sh-, like, tugging at his collar and like yep. the camera's all up in his face and it's just the the most unsubtle thing. It, it, Way it also, over the top. It also doesn't help that he looks like Bob Odenkirk as the hated milk machine from uh, Mr. Show. Uh, you showed me that, and I, I agree. And Caitlin, really, your your uh, bad thing is uh, along these lines too, right? My original bad thing was the actor, and then mm-hmm. again, I saw it was the same as yours. <laughs> so that's uh, fine. This, but along the lines, same lines as as the actor. Like I would have been less critical of his performance if I didn't see him kill people in the very first scene. Yeah, they'd be like, wondering why he acted like that. Yeah, at least I'd be like, why is this guy so weird? I'm very suspicious of him. But mm-hmm. you have no suspicions when you already freaking know. So it's just it's just 
a stupid way to put the episode together. So if I, I think if that scene hadn't been there, I would not have been nearly as critical of the actor. But, I mean, he still wasn't awesome. He could have played that a lot more subtle, and then we would have been yeah. surprised when he freaks out at the end. No, the, but the, the instead, I was just yelling at the TV the whole time. Yeah. No, the way to <laughs> like, play why don't you see this? To, you know, play up his weird uns- unsettlingness, you know? Like... You no, know. but the problem is it was so transparent TV actor suspicious. Mm. Like, it was so, like, acting 101, like, okay, tug at your collar, now do shifty eyes. Now, okay, like, lesson two is subtlety, and he yeah. didn't show up for that day, you're, I guess. You're crazy. Do crazy stuff. Stutter a whole lot. Yeah, put on a, put on a Napoleon hat. <laughs> Even his voice. Like, his voice the entire time sounds like he's about to explode on the inside. It reminds me of... In, like, the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie, when they're going through that, like, creepy boat scene, oh, and everything's yeah. going crazy, and his voice is going all crazy, and he's, like, yelling and telling this weird story poem thing, yep. right. and it's really creepy. It reminds me of that, like, his voice the whole time is just like, I'm about to explode, and yeah. there's nothing subtle about that whatsoever. Right. I agree. I, and, okay, let's let's really get into the meat of what it's about, though, which is, like, they created this hologram to fix their ship. Like, his job is to do maintenance, which, yeah. okay, th- I guess that's fine, but why don't you just make a robot? Why would you make a self-aware projection? Well, and the other thing is they apparently have this holographic engineer or whatever, and they gave him sentience specifically so that they could treat him like a slave. Right. Like, What? Why would you do that? Worst yeah. people ever. It's like, who on earth creates a sentient creature so that they can torture it? That's horrible. That's that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, why why would you give him self-awareness? And why does he need self-awareness to do that job? Exactly. Like, like the doctor needs a personality because he needs a bedside manner. He needs to interact with people. But this guy does well, not need that. The, he, and also, like, there's that whole, he's been on constantly and you know right but initially he was programmed with a personality to interact with people yeah but like why would you just you you just have him just yes no whatever you know like he doesn't you don't need to give him a fucking soul no but also once again star trek does not know what a hologram is no why would he not be a robot it doesn't make sense it, it actually reminded me a lot of uh the stuff we used to talk about with data about all the weird choices uh, Nunian Soon made it when building data. Oh, yeah. So, like, he, you know, he's a, he's a robot, but he, he's a robot who doesn't have emotions, but he's programmed to feel bad when his dad dies and just get older for no reason. Yep. So, who decided this? You're horrible. But then we met him, and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. All like, right. I, just no. like, yeah. <coughs> I built a robot so that I it's a feel bad about me. <laughs> and it looks like me. Also, Lore's got a penis. Lore. Lore. Um, I, but I just... I, I just... I don't get, like, the point of him, and I don't understand why <clears throat> they would have made this guy, like, cap- that, that. why would you build something that's capable of killing you? Yeah, that's another good question. Well, I mean, I understand why, like, he's got to be able to pick up tools and stuff, because he's supposed to be the engineer. Yeah, but have they not heard of Asimov's laws of robotics? I mean, I assume they haven't, but you know what I mean? Like, have they not heard of programming a thing to not kill you? What's that yeah, and, and especially since we don't know anything about the aliens. Oh, yeah, that's true, except that they look exactly like humans. Yeah. They look exactly like humans, and apparently they're assholes. Yep. Uh, we only have this guy's word for it. I bet they were fine. And you can dump them into the inner workings of the ship and not ruin the ship too much. I Apparently. I don't know. I like I like seven, uh, not seven. Um, I like Bellana and the Doctor together. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I they're a good team. Enjoy those together. The Doctor and the Doctor's Doctor, basically. Yeah. <laughs> that always. Uh, and I actually I really like the Doctor's sort of excitement over another hologram. Oh yeah. Like, no, in, in fact, in he, the beginning when he finds out that like oh there's another hologram on that ship we need to get over there. No, what he <laughs> says is I need to get over there, and the captain's like, wait, what? When the, like, when the, well, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't remember putting you in charge. Well, obviously, I'm going. I mean, most capable. Yeah. I'll be in the shuttle. And she's like, well, fine, but you know I have to say that first. You don't just go. That's like, I don't know if I want to send you. What if someone swallows your light beam? 
<laughs> and that almost happens. Yeah. Somebody smashes his light bee. Mm-hmm. With a wrench. For for the ninety eight percent of our audience who hasn't watched Red Dwarf because it is really a tiny cult show, Matt. I guess that's true. A light bee is the thing that floats and projects you if yes, you're a hologram. If you're a hologram, buzzes yeah. around inside of you and projects like a bee. Yeah, that sounds adorable. It kind of is. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I want a light bee. You know, see Red Dwarf, Caitlin. You should check. I have not watched. I'm watching it now. That's Jeez. what I'm saying. Most. Uh, I didn't most know there was light haven't. bees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, there's a character who's a hologram. Yeah. and uh, You can and tell by the big H on his forehead. Yeah. they, they put it. <laughs> In the shape of an H on his forehead. Yeah. Uh, what else? Um, I'm stuck on light bees right now. Right? My imagination's going wild. <laughs> it's pretty much it. It looks like a little bee. And it's, uh, I mean, it doesn't look like, like a bumblebee. Uh, no, although now I wish it did. Yeah. What's that stand for? I forgot. Um... Anything uh, else? Let's see. Uh, for a minute, I thought the hologram was actually hiding in the fish. Oh, yeah. Like, they thought, like they think they've killed him, and then they find the holographic fish. Like, oh, no, his fish. And then he hits Bellana with a hammer. No, what he does to Bellana is he he turns sort of semi-translucent and reaches into her chest and, like, fucks up her arteries or something. Oh, that's right. Which I actually thought was pretty cool. Yeah. He perforates because, uh, her pericardium. Yeah. Thank you. It's like the, uh, the vision. Yeah, a, a bit like the vision. Fucking go the intangible and give your heart a tickle. Yeah. Is that a thing the vision does? Yes. Oh. <laughs> that was part of his deal. Very well. That and having emotions and sometimes and, not having any emotions. Right. No, I've, I've been reading the new comic, actually, where he's got a suburban family. Oh, that's supposed to be really good. Hey, I wanted to pick that up. The other yeah, day, it's, it's they good. only had they only had the third one, and I wanted all of them. So yeah, you need to, you definitely need to. It's like definitely an arc that you shouldn't pick up in the middle. Yeah, the the trade should be out in the next month or so. Hmm. Oh, then I'll get that. Yeah, it's good stuff. I will wait for it. But I liked the cover. It was like a little like vision looking lady, like using like a, with like a little apron, like vacuuming. And I was like, what is that? Yeah, and then they then they've got a teenage uh, son and daughter who also look like visions. Adorable. Yeah, it's a whole like step for weird step for family thing. It's, yeah. it's cool. I like it. You're listening to comic talk with Alan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, look, I'm reading comics now. And I know. I was shocked. Yeah. Well, I started looking at them and they started not sucking, so I kept yeah. reading them. You can thank Tumblr for that. For like, they keep showing me glimpses. Like, hey, that looks pretty good. Yep. Did you glimpse it? I glimpsed it. I glimpsed glimpse it through it the, the trunks. It was a lot of footfalls, but I, I definitely wrestled my trembles. I'm glad you wrestled your trembles. You're nullifying my interest in this up in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, back to Star Trek. Yeah, I we are talking about Star Trek. One more good thing about this episode that I really appreciated is Tom freaking Paris is a human being right now. Yeah, he's yeah. not a weird, gross creep anymore. It's nice. No, he was giving Harry good advice about women. Yeah. And he's he like, was, what, what do we do? And he's like, well, maybe don't be a jerk. Bellana has been so good for him. Yep. Just in terms of making him a likable character. Yeah. Like you I were really talking like- about the, the 50% of, of the cast that we like, and he's actually been bumped up. Well, he was on the line for me yeah. for a while, but he might finally be on the other side he's, of it. But he's been bumped up as he shoves Harry down. Yep. There wow. was legitimately episodes that I wanted to punch him in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, us and- too. Now, like there, this opening scene where, well, after the opening scene where he's talking to Bolana about their awkward profession of love, yep, in space, I think it's adorable because she's so uncomfortable, and he's like, "How do I tell you I'm into this? Mm-hmm. Yep, don't even know how to say this, but I'm trying to tell you that I'm into this." And I think it's adorable because he's not running away. Yeah, and she's super uncomfortable. He's kind of uncomfortable, and they're trying to like actually make like a real thing happen, and it makes me have like little tingles in my heart. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's good stuff. I love her. His whole just like you know, I know you were you know you were dying and everything, so I it, I completely understand if you didn't mean that. Well, I mean I did, but I also understand that you were dying, and so just kiss already. Yeah, they were, and they did. Like, that was the nice thing, is that she, like, pushes him up against the wall and just kisses him. And, like, good, let's not just, like, linger around that for another season. Let's just get on with it. Please, can we just get to work Also, a little bit of continuity. They remembered last week when those two were dying in space. Yeah. 
That's good. Yep, I love it. And then it's adorable when uh, Tuba, no, somebody asks Balana about it. I don't know. The doctor. It's the doctor. It's the doctor. The doctor asks Balana about it, and she gets really defensive. And I think that's yeah. adorable as well. No, and I like when. How you know in, she cares? They're in sick bay together, and um, and at the end, and the doctor's like, "I'm detecting high levels of hormones." Yeah. He's, he's being kind of shitty about it. It's. Fun. What do you think? I'm going into incorrigible scamp mode. <laughs> he had a long day. So wait, is he, the, is he the Crichton of the show, Matt? Yes. Okay. Actually, mode. that's pretty close. Yeah, I suppose that's true. There's more Red Dwarf Cape. You'll get it. I'm sorry, my penis has escaped. <laughs> All right, anything else about this one? No, that should do it. Caitlin? I think I'm done. All right, why don't you then tell us about the Raven? Oh, oh I'll tell you about the Raven, all right. Okay. So... Kate tries to teach Seven art, and it doesn't take. Seven asks Kate what the fuck about her holodeck renaissance parlor when she suddenly starts having creepy Borg flashbacks with a raven in them. I wonder if that means anything. It is the title. Probably not. Seven changes into her dusty brown velvet onesie and tells the doctor and Katie about her scary dreams. Two people say hippogognic, whatever that means, and then the doc tells her to eat some dinner. Skip to Bomars. Some bossy aliens in headgear tell Voyager that they have to take the long way around their space or else. Then back to Seven, attempting to interact with Neelix while he explains why hair food is a delicacy. Seven of Nine, small talk, informing Neelix uh, that the Borg have assimilated... I'm sorry. I just got all befuddled thinking about Seven of Nine in her onesie. Sorry. Uh, Seven of Nine's idea of small talk is informing Neelix that the Borg have assimilated his brethren. In an effort to maximize awkwardness, Neelix teaches Seven how to sit, stay, and swallow. (laughs) All in all, successful humaning, except for that flashback followed by the ass-kicking we always wanted to give Neelix. And oh no, the Borg went Borg. So Seven wanders around the ship tripping balls while security goes apeshit. And remodulate those phasers, guys. She single-handedly thwarts the entire crew while armed and dangerous and transports herself into a shuttle, escaping into the forbidden Bomar space. Now that we've brought our plots together here, the headgear aliens start tracking Seven of Nine's shuttle, yelling, Get out of my room! at Janeway. <laughs> Loaf of Red Chicote suggests that once you go bored, you never go back. Kate does not accept that her new best friend would ever leave the gang after the whole two adventures together. So the doc fixes up an anti-Borg poison dart, and the away team heads out to bring that lady bot home. Unfortunately, Tuvok gets his ass handed to him, but he still tries to rationalize with sexy smarty pants Seven, who begins to develop some kind of multiple personality disorder. Back on Voyager, Special Boy unlocks Seven's dream diary, where the captain discovers the clue that brings it all home. She throws the rule book out the window, as usual, and drives right into headgear alien space to fetch her new bestie. Seven takes Tuvok down to a rocky backdrop planet, where they find an old shipwreck. Inside the best inside the best set of the whole episode, Seven flashes back again, realizing she is remembering her assimilation and the traumatic loss of her parents. The ship was her childhood home, the Raven. Seven has some real human memories, and Jerry Ryan does some great acting as she reveals her origin, just in time for the headgear alien war. Don't worry, Mama Kate is here to save the day. She gives the aliens the finger, slashes their tires, and bolts with all her kittens aboard. That's the end. picture you painted there. Yep. <laughs> accurate, though. Very accurate. Yeah, very, very accurate. That is true. So, I'm, I'm picking up on this. Tell me if I'm wrong. But I'm picking up on a vibe that you kind of like Seven of Nine? I don't know what you're talking about. Matt, are you, are you getting that as well? I'm not I don't know what you're talking about. I think you might be seeing things that don't exist okay i, I think I just, you might be yeah. having hallucinations of your i have to level with life. you guys oh. i've been in love with seven of nine for 20 years what true story incredible no she is she is honestly a good addition to the cast and mm. uh, and matt actually let's let's just jump into your bad thing first because i liked this but you you had uh, kind of a bone to pick with it this episode is a lot of this episode is just about seven sort of like she, the episode ends with her choosing Voyager over the Borg, 
and I think like I feel like it's a little it's still a little early for that. Like she's willing to like send Tuvok back to the crew and like go back to go, you know go back to the Borg again. And I just feel like we're not we haven't quite earned that that ending yet. Like See, I I don't agree because I feel like this is early on. You need to tell the story of does she actually want to be with Voyager or is she just here because Kate's making her? And like, if you give her the choice, then now we know going forward she does want to be there. See, I feel like the the first season is the time to really work through that. You know, you have her forced to work with the Voyager crew, and so and you know, then you spend all that time getting her to realize that she likes she likes these people. She likes Janeway. She likes. Yeah, no. See, I think she that, likes I, dicking around in Leonardo's uh, uh, laboratory, what, building a building a clay face. What you're talking about is a very different thing than what I'm talking about. <laughs> what I'm talking about is the initial: do you want to be here or not? What you're talking about is: has she formed a connection with these people, and do they feel more like a family? Like, yeah. I feel like that's a story they could still tell. This is more of a basic: do you even want to be here thing? Right, because I mean, if they never give her the choice. Right. And she's just forced into this. Then we could spend a whole season of her just being forced into yeah. her humanity. No, and we so if she doesn't about this. choose to put on those human pants. I well, don't know that I would call those pants, but those are definitely not <laughs> pants. You talking about her dusty onesie? Dusty onesie. Hi, I'm dusty onesie. <laughs> sounds like a, it sounds like a morning DJ. Yeah, dusty onesie in the seven. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> we uh, dusty onesie in the camel toe. Excuse me. Oh man. That would be the one. It's a dusty one, the onesie and the underboob. Yeah, there you go. That's better. Oh, camel, oh. Toe, camel toe gives the weather. <laughs> no, I just, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> All that underboobing camel toe. Yeah, just completely lost my train of thought. No, I, I feel like a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how, how Kate basically just forced her to be a human and she yeah. really didn't have any say in the matter. And so this is the first time she's had a choice. And I feel like that's an important thing to have i agree i think it's an important part of her character because because she really is forced into being on this crew she didn't want to be there and her whole life she's identified with the borg and she did not see herself as human so it almost seems like kate is really overstepping her bounds at first absolutely it does and so i feel like this episode brings it home because not only does she have a moment where she stops and even when she's in her crazy borg thoughts to Tuvok, she says, I need you to thank, you know, Catherine for blah, 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 right. being cool and being the great yeah, mom, really all that. And so, like, it kind of brings it home, like, okay, she's making a connection. She has made a connection to the degree that she's, like... But I don't think we're telling the story that Matt's talking about just yet. Like, she doesn't feel like they're her family. She doesn't feel, like, connected right. to these people. Yeah. She just feels like, I can't go back to the Borg so far. And what from what she says in that short scene, what she says is more like... I appreciate that this human being was kind to me because that's not something that I know even what it is. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's like, it's making a cool statement about her moving towards humanness, but it's also not there yet. Right. And we will get there. I to assume what so. Matt wants. Hmm. Yes, better. But we will. So anyway, what I'm saying is I think you're complaining about, like, I think you are interpreting this as the kind of story that they have, they're not actually doing yet. <clears throat> right. But I could be wrong. We'll see. Um, eh, since we're doing bad things, my bad thing is we lost a shuttle in this episode. This sure is the did. third shuttle we've lost so far in season four. Like Chuck on the Nemesis planet, Belana and Tom in Day of Honor. I'm positive we've lost additional shuttles in previous seasons. I've just noticed it more this season because it happened like three episodes in a row. How many fucking shuttles does this ship even have? At least like, eight less now. I mean, granted, they're not keeping track. Like... We've, we've read a bunch of quotes about that. They yeah. have no idea how many crew members, how many shuttles, how many uh, uh, torpedoes. They just, they don't care. But it just, like, that's a thing they, that should matter on this show. I just, I want to see down in the shuttle bay now, there's like, there's like, there's a big clipboard with like a, with like a pencil next to it on a rope that's like, if you're going to use a shuttlecraft, you have to sign it out. We're not losing any more of these damn things. That'll keep it under control. A pencil. <laughs> And don't make me keep Tuvok down here to keep an eye on things. Yes, please don't make Tuvok stay down here to keep an eye on things. Oh, he'll do it. Uh, he will absolutely do it. Where are you going? Did you sign out? Yeah. Mr. Neelix, get away from there. You are not allowed to drive. Look, you have your own ship. If you want to go somewhere, just get in that. I can't go in there. It smells bad. <laughs> I do not know how to answer that. 
There was speaking of Tuvok, there was some good seven Tuvok stuff mm-hmm. that I that I quite enjoyed. Like and the last little bit where he follows her to the planet. Like I, I enjoyed that because really yeah. these two do have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. And I love I just the the scene where he's just like, I will accompany I will accompany you you down to the surface. And like mm-hmm. he absolutely doesn't have to. It's just a it's just so nice. Yeah, the thing is, you know, just like with Spock, mm-hmm. you know that there's emotion in there and there's sentiment in there. It's oh, yeah. not all hardcore, just cold, coldness, you know? They're just mm. in denial. Yeah, it's not even denial. I think they're just, like, they don't express it much. Like, I no. Think it's, they keep it under control to the point that they they don't talk a lot. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's fine. Um, even the way he like- says that, that is cute, when Tuvok's like, lower the force field... And in my mind, I'm thinking, why would you tell her to lower the force field? She's not going to do that. And then his next sentence is, I will accompany you to the planet. Yep. And then you're like, aww. Caitlin, that's not a bad Tuvok, by the way. Yeah. I've been, I've been working on my Tuvok impression. Right. Also, at one point, she uh, she neck pinches him. Mm-hmm. Which like is a pretty boss. great. And actually, that, that kind of feeds into your good thing, right? Caitlin? She is the most badass of all the badasses. Yeah, that's my good thing. She takes down the entire ship mm-hmm. and then bails with complete ease. She smacks Neelix around. She gets a weapon. She takes out the entire security team that comes after her, including Tuvok, and busts out despite everything that the bridge can do to stop her. And I think that that is baller. One of the best parts of the entire episode is just she blasts the shuttle through the fucking door. Uh, of the oh, car. yeah, they, they close the door. Okay, well, that'll keep her. No, it won't. <laughs> and there's all the there's all the fucking like helmet aliens trying to stop her with their little ships and she just crashes through them. It's fucking badass as hell. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah, it's amazing. And I mean, you know, I'm her hugest fan and what? I'm going to obsess over her. But like one of the things that I've always latched onto about her is like how freaking strong she is. She's a very strong woman and I love it. And like there's other strong women in this cast and i love that too but like i just i love how she's able to like overpower other people Mm -hmm. and um it's partly because she's a borg and partly because she just like has no fear and no limitations 12 feet tall and because she's 12 feet tall I'll, I'll agree with all that, but I will say her, like, busting out of the ship was exactly like seven or eight different times Data did it, and it just, to me, felt like I've seen this so many times before. Like, oh, they shoot at him and nothing happens. Then he gets in the shuttle and he's got this determined look on his face and nobody can stop him. And like, it's, I don't know, maybe it's because she's, like, just... Maybe it's just because she's the new hotness, but it was a really cool scene. No, it was, it was all right. It just it felt like the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Everything's just, cooler when Jerry Ryan does it. I that is <laughs> just imagine Nemesis if you were pl- uh, Star Trek ne- Nemesis the movie, not the last episode. Uh-huh. If you replaced oh, all of the all of the Brent Spiner scenes with Jerry Ryan, where she plays B four. Eh, maybe not that part. <laughs> that would that would be upsetting. Yeah, it would. And B four is already pretty upsetting. No, and the thing is, she was she was quite good. I'm not I'm not gonna deny that. And she, and Caitlin called out this whole like multiple personality thing she had mm. where. We start getting in touch with stuff that happened with her as a kid, and she definitely gets this sort of, like, childlike look on her face. And then, like, between that and the the coldness of, like, when she reverts to her Borg stuff, and then when she kind of, like, reverts to, like, her sort of current developing personality, like, she shows all that inner body language in her face, and, like, it's it's good stuff. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just that particular sequence. And we should point out, uh, we haven't mentioned yet... Brian Fuller, the guy who is going to be running the new Star Trek series that's coming up, uh, worked on Voyager briefly, and this was his first credit. Apparently, apparently to his great chagrin. <laughs> well, there's a there's a great quote that uh, that you re- reblogged on our uh, on our Tumblr post on mm-hmm. that um, uh, him saying, "Yeah, I put into work on DS9 and Voyager, hoping I would get DS9, and I got Voyager. So whatever. <laughs> Got to do your uh, best with what you're given. Yeah." But he, uh, he. This is the first one he's credited for. Apparently, he did some work on other episodes that that weren't like on screen credits. This is the first one that he actually wrote like full on. And there's a thing in Memory Alpha where he's like, "Yeah, so what I handed in was way bigger and way more action packed." And Brandon Braga took me under his wing and taught me how to write. It was like, "Come on, man! Uh-oh. Seriously, this is the guy who created Dead Like Me and Hannibal and Wonderfalls mm-hmm. and uh, the the Pie Maker show, the name of which I always forget." Oh fuck, I always forget this fucking show. Yeah, um, it's a good show. 
but uh, he's created a lot of really good shows, and really, Braga's going to teach him how to write. Yeah, well, if there's know. one thing we know about Brian Braga, it's that he's a creative genius. Yeah. But regardless, even despite that, despite all the changes that, that they made to make it more like everything else they do, this was still a really good episode. Yeah. I agree, and I thought the dialogue was um, really good, even if I didn't particularly like all the delivery of the isomorphic whatever dude actor. Mm. Shiny face. Oh, I didn't no, I didn't no, like all of his delivery, but his monologues the, were awesome. You mean the, the previous one, the uh, the hologram guy. Oh yeah, hologram guy. Sorry. I'm s- Yeah, yeah. Uh, the writing on well, okay. The writing on this one <laughs> I just really like the uh, everything that Seven, like her flashbacks, and um, they weren't even, uh, like, they, we talked about how they were kind of like, at first we were a little worried about the whole dream sequence thing. Well, yeah, that was my good oh, thing, yeah. was that I thought, oh, the raven, and they start do- dealing with imagery, like, you know, the symbolism, and like, ah, oh, here we go. It's going to be some stupid dream bird, and it, <laughs> and it wasn't, actually. I'm very proud of that. Yeah, I, I like, liked, they turned uh, out really good. Those dream sequences, actually, I quite liked. Yeah, the the weird screaming Borg and stuff. Yeah, and I like her justification too when she's talking about them later. She's like, "I don't understand. I was being chased by the Borg. I don't think the Borg are scary." Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really a cool distinction to make mm-hmm. because she's been because she was assimilated as a child. It's so much different. Yeah, than the like, Borg who were assimilated as adults. Yeah, absolutely, and I like that the reason she was called back was because they were close to the actual ship where it happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I don't understand, and again, I we've said this a million times, I don't need specific technical explanations for things. I don't care how stuff works. But the basic premise of the show is we're stranded very, very far from other humans. So how the hell did her family get this far out into the Delta Quadrant? Well, they mentioned that her, fam- her parents are both like scientists. I assume yeah. we'll... Like no, and Caitlin said we will get into that later. Which is I, cool. yeah, I assume we'll get to that. But um, right now, it's just like they. It feels like they don't understand how big space is, and I wouldn't care if that wasn't what the whole show was built on. Was space is very big, and this is very far away from home. Well, I mean, we're talking about a show where we continue to bump into stuff from back in the Alpha Quadrant, despite the fact that the Alpha, the the Delta Quadrant is impossible to get to. I mean, in fairness, they haven't done a ton of that lately. No, like I mean, early are, on we had a Romulan <laughs> thing and a, and a Ferengi thing. Actually, yeah. uh, Caitlin's first appearance, and um, what else? We had some Klingon stuff, but like for the most part, they've done a good job of that lately. Yeah. I would say. <laughs> oh, totally. Again, another reason season four has been so good. Yeah, so far. Yeah. I just I'm still like season three d- done us real wrong, mm-hmm. so I'm reluctant to say everything's great again. Well, there's we still going to be some sketchy episodes. I can't promise everything's roses from are they, here. Are they ever going to be as bad as Nemesis, though? I don't think so. I think that that one was just um, one of a garbage. kind. One hot garbage of a kind. Actually, Ooh, yeah. you say that, and uh, at least one listener has written in and said they do that exact same episode with Chakotay again in Season 7. Oh, of course. So we have that to look forward to. I'd have to refresh my memory because season seven has been tainted by the end of season seven. And that's all I can remember right now. Fair enough. Would that be the infamous Borg children that we have to look forward to? <laughs> no, it's uh, uh, the just the whole the pretty much the second half of maybe the second or the last quarter, I would say, of the season um, takes some dramatic turns for characters and like a bunch of big shit happens and then wrap it all up. And uh, there's just um, some things in there that like stand out so much in my memory that they pretty much take over the whole season. That's it's mostly seven in that red dress. Yeah, you made us Google that, and uh, I made you Google it. Yeah, we were not wrong to do so. <laughs> All I can remember is seven in a red dress. Yep, seven with a red dress, red dress. Red dress. <laughs> but that you know, we're a long way from that. Yeah, we are. We're not even halfway through the series yet. Oh, uh, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, oh, I like the uh, opening scene with Seven and Kate working with Clay. Really? There's actually a couple of really good Seven and people scenes in this episode. Um, yeah. No, I like... Uh, Kate is really excited to be doing this. Mm-hmm. And that excitement is kind of infectious. And Seven is 
utterly confused by why they're doing this. She has a great moment where Kate's like, okay, just you've got like they've got this sculpted uh, head, right? Mm-hmm. And Kate's like, okay, they, there's a little bit of work you could do on the nose there. And Seven just sort of pokes at it for like, like they really play play it out for like a whole like 30 seconds or something where she just like poke, poke. I mean, it's, it's, and this isn't a complaint, but it is comedy 101. Oh, yeah. It is take the straightest character you have and make them do something a little like artsy. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, what, what is the point of this? This is stupid. I mean, you could do that scene with Tuvok, honestly. Oh, totally. But I do, like, yeah, I no, think it's fantastic. Kate's, it, like, Kate's excitement really helps with that scene, too. Like, she's like, I, we're going to learn about art today. I'm gonna take you to my. I'm gonna take you to my buddy Leonardo's laboratory. I'm gonna teach you how to clay. She's really stuck on this Leonardo thing, and I don't think anyone else is. No, it's not like how people were inexplicably into the stupid hula program or into the stupid French bar program. This is all her. Mm-hmm. And when she talks about it, she has like this incredible like sense of awe in her voice, like. Yeah. I draw inspiration from these inventions and this art. Like, she's so flipping into it. It's, it's her, adorable. It's her whole science bro thing again. She's like, oh, man, I get to use this technology to hang out with Leonardo da fucking Vinci. <laughs> I mean, no, you know, that's not the kind of thing I'd be excited about, but I get her being excited about no, it. No, I like that she's excited about it. I just, I never would have guessed what we know about this character so far that she'd be into Da Vinci specifically, but it doesn't, it's not completely out of character. I will tell you this, it makes more sense to me than her historical novel. True. But it doesn't make as much sense as her looking up to Amelia Earhart. Mm -hmm. No, that makes the most sense. That that one made more sense (coughs) than anything, but uh, she already met her, so I guess Mm -hmm. that doesn't count. Oh, that's one off my bucket list. (laughs) But, uh, Caitlin, you said this felt like uh, human lesson number, like, five, and she really, like, Seven's not quite ready for this yet. Yeah, that was my my thought the whole time I was watching this. And I was like, this is way too soon. Seven doesn't even know how to sit. How is she no. going to make art? Like, I mean, that's like a high-level concept. No, we, we have a scene. And, then, and, and, like, Kate's trying so hard to explain it. Yeah. And, uh, like, Seven's just, like, staring at her, like, uh, She doesn't have the fundamentals irrelevant. yet, so... Yeah. Yeah, 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 she needs fundamentals of artful yeah. thinking, not play with clay now. Yeah, let's let's go... Let's start with the colors, maybe, and then go from there. This is red. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm sorry, I come from a board cube. We have black, gray, and, and neon green. Yeah, that is. those are the only colors. So, you know, the colors of Matt's wardrobe in high school. <laughs> Were you a Borg? Uh, close. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Did all right. Yeah. Um, you should have seen my, my wardrobe now. Is it? Are you? <laughs> I could totally see you rocking that seven dress, though. Mm. Oh yeah, with That's... the with the with the penis eye. Yeah, with uh, the penis eye. Oh, I was talking about the red one, but yeah, also that. Oh, I I was thinking the Borg outfit. Yeah. Okay. Or that. Yeah. Just just uh, maybe maybe be careful of your arteries. <laughs> don't pass out I'm not gonna lie that'd be some pretty kick-ass cosplay for uh, uh, Emerald City next yeah, year yeah if you wanna if you want a 7 cosplay like that would be amazing I'm sure we could convince Amanda to take like a billion billion pictures of you mm-hmm. okay so Matt you're gonna be Borg 7 and I will be Catsuit 7 you're oh, probably gonna sweat a lot <laughs> I never did cause you're gonna seven. be wearing a latex rubber suit thing <sighs> It oh. won't be the first time, and it won't be the last. <laughs> I will say this. I am not shaven for cosplay again, so we need to find a version of Seven that has a beard. <laughs> anyway, Caitlin. Your beard is a Bearded Seven. You will be yeah. bearded Seven. I, we'll just do gender swap Seven. It'll be fine. Your, your be beard's fine. distinctiveness will be added to our own. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin, what was your bad thing about this episode? Oh, my bad thing would be aliens okay so i like them for what they do to the episode they're snarky they're obnoxious um but they look stupid they are wearing headgear and the entire point of their existence is to say you can't play in our sandbox and therefore we're going to make your mission harder so they don't really serve a purpose other than to like make it complicated or make it dangerous to go retrieve seven or for seven to be down there that's like their only purpose See, I liked it. I like when we run into aliens that are super territorial and super bureaucrats and like they were they were really gleeful about being jerks. 
Uh-huh. They're just like, hey, we'll let you run cut through our space. Here's the route we've plotted for you. And it's like fucking Billy going home in a, in a, in a family circus <laughs> strip. See, I do like that. I like dick aliens because yeah. we don't get those very often. We get the like overly like, oh, let's make friends aliens. There's but either I that wish- or they're super aggressive. But I like or the movie yeah. aliens. Those guys suck. But I wish they, like, had more of, like, a part, but they only have, like, these tiny scenes where all they're yeah. doing is, like, bossing Janeway around, which is adorable. Yeah. But still, well, there's like, a, like I, at the same off. time, I want them to have, like, a little bit more of a reason for being there. And, like, who are you? Why are you here? Like, how did we run into you? What's going on? They're just basically cutting through their yard. They're not really, like, like, I don't like it when we stop and get to know guys that we're not going to see next week anyway. So, like. That didn't really yeah. bother me because they're just like part of the scenery, but at the same time they're kind of annoying. So I don't. Well, the, know. Maybe that's maybe that's the only reason why it bothered me is because I'm so used to getting to know the aliens. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> what was that, Matt? Oh, the thing I really like is like as shitty as they are, like it, it makes it really <laughs> great at the end when Jane was just like, "Okay, I think we're done with this." Yeah, fuck them. I mean, she she just does what she wants, but then at the end she doesn't keep cutting through their space. She's like, "No, okay, but we're gonna go ahead and go around because I just did this thing. I so don't let's, need to. Let's we'll not just, be super jerks about this." Well, you know what? They can keep the frisbee this time. Although I will say, this is two weeks in a row now, or at least two weeks for us in a row now. Two episodes in the season so far, where uh, another Delta Quadrant race says, "You have a what? Yeah, absolutely not. Fuck you." Mm-hmm. Like, them just carrying a Borg around with them is freaking everyone out, rightfully so. Yeah, no, I think it should. Like, I think that's an important thing thing to having Seven around on the show now is that, like, she's a fucking Borg. And people in Delta Quadrant aren't super fond of the Borg for some reason. I don't know why. We're right on the edge of their space. Like, everyone who's who's alive is just barely alive and might not be alive tomorrow. Yeah. It's so... It's so weird. Whenever she walks in the room, everyone gets really tense for some reason. I don't understand it. Yeah. Which, you know, would help with negotiations, I suppose. Yeah. You just have your it's, Borg in the background looking threatening. Yeah. It's like her people killed all of their people or something. I know, right? I'm like, Why would you have a problem with that? Calm <laughs> down, everyone. Jeez. Yeah. That was just like, a little bit of genocide every now and then. It's not a big yeah, deal. That was like a long time ago. Like what? Like a year? Jeez. Come on. Yeah. Are you ever going to let that go? Ugh. Yeah. I like that, too, because it adds, um, like we've said, like some kind of carryover from episode to episode. Now that we actually seem to have like personal growth within the characters and like right. they're developing and things are actually happening that are like linked in a very intense way to the episode prior. I yeah. really, really, really like that. It's actually finally happening. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, I'm not going to get my hopes up that it'll continue to happen, but so far, so good. No, for the time being, we're just going to enjoy the five good episodes. I, I will even say, and we already mentioned that we ha- we all hate Neelix, but I will even say the scene she has with Neelix, not that bad. No! There's a, there's a whole scene where like, the doctor says, you're becoming more human, like literally becoming more human every day, physically, <laughs> and now you need to eat. And you know <laughs> what that means, you got to go down there, go see Air the bar food. rodent. Yeah, oh boy. But she has this great conversation with him, like, ugh, I just need nutrients. I don't care what it tastes like. And it's like, yeah, that's what made me try Soylent. Like, Mm -hmm. who cares what it, (laughs) I just need food sometimes. Just (laughs) shut my body up. But I I honestly feel like it was a good scene where she's trying to, like, I don't know if she's trying to intimidate him, but everyone else is intimidated when she says, yeah, we (coughs) assimilated you and we took this from you and then it was that. And we, we assimilated your species. We regret that. He doesn't... Well, no, she doesn't say that. <laughs> she regrets nothing. I am yes. bored. I regret nothing. <laughs> but uh, Neelix, to his credit, doesn't freak out by that. Really? You assimilated us. Huh. Well, okay then. Here's your food. Well, you, well, you must know what it's like to spend time with a Phylaxian then. <laughs> but I mean, it was, it was... He didn't annoy me. No, he was fine. Which I liked. And the it was actually funny him like trying to teach her how to eat and how to sit and it's it was you know was how to s- like how, how do you teach someone how to swallow it's the weirdest fucking concept yeah he's like gesturing at his throat like you know make it because you can't open your mouth and show her what swallowing looks like it doesn't work like that so you accept the f- you let the food be go down the hole in the back of your mouth well that's against everything I know yeah but what I don't. I don't- 
just put things in one of my holes and let my body swallow it up. That's horrible. Here comes your uh, disgust with the human body again. Well, the human body is disgusting. <laughs> Everything about it. Yeah. Utterly repellent. So you keep saying. No wonder also, I think we're talking about the first episode. All I hear is Matt talking about the human body. Uh, but that's been a constant this entire series and the other podcast we've done. And his entire life. Yeah. yeah. It's one thing I know about Matt. He's got an old truck he likes to work on and he thinks humans are disgusting. <laughs> an old truck he likes to work on that he can't drive. Yeah. Um, also, there's a, 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 an epic, I don't use this phrase uh, or this uh, expression often because I feel like it's overused. It is. But an epic eye roll from Kate. Oh, that was it's awesome. Good. Like a cartoon eye roll. Just like a her whole head rolls around and her eyes just yeah. go boom and it's perfect. I had to make a gif of it. It was yeah. just so beautiful. No, that was a Scully worthy eye roll. Yeah, it absolutely was. And it was I, I feel like, yeah, because X-Files was on at this point. She's like, ooh, I like what Jillian Anderson's doing. I could do one of those. I could Same. do that eye roll. Yeah. 60 it, degrees. Whoa, there we go. All right. Whoa, that hurt my neck, but it was worth it. There's <laughs> <laughs> a bit where Chuck's telling her what these stupid uh, bureaucrat aliens want from them. And she's like, ugh. And it's just beautiful. Uh, the Bomar, that's what their names were. Yeah, the, the football helmet aliens. I keep wanting, wanting to say Bonar. <laughs> And that's wanting, not correct, but in my brain, that's what it says every time. Bonars. I, I keep wanting to call them the Bromars. The, the Bromars, that's good, too. Also good. Uh, that's all I got. Anything else? Now, let's good? check out my notes here. Check. I love Seven of Nine. I love Seven of Nine. Yeah. Can I just chant that for like an hour? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, we're almost at the hour mark, so probably, probably not. Oh, damn it. Maybe a bonus episode. Bonus episode is just me chanting. Chanting. <laughs> Send some people some uh, subliminal, non-subliminal messages. That that'd be like the uh, the reward for our uh, fundraiser next year. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just a recording of me chanting. Yep, I can I could do some tricky editing so you can like um, harmonize with yourself. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yep. Uh, Matt, anything else? I think that's it. Caitlin, you got a quote for us? Oh, I sure do. And this is uh, Captain Janeway kicking ass at the very end of the episode. And I just, I love her intensity because she's just like, you know what? I'm fucking sick of these people. Let's go. We're being hailed. Audio only. You're committing an act of war, Captain. You've left me no choice, Counselor. Reinforcements are arriving. You will be destroyed. I don't have time for this. Target their weapons array. Yeah. No, and what I like there is, like, those guys have been annoying bureaucratic snots this whole time. And we're all just like, ugh, I hate dealing with people like that. And she's the kind of person who would just go, all right, fuck this. And I like that. Yep. yep. She's, she's my great. gal. Well, yeah. other than Seven. She's my yeah, other yeah. gal. You got a lot <laughs> of backup. I got a lot of gals. Yeah. And Bellana, also your gal. My the other gals on the show are pretty fucking great. Yeah. I know. Gal show. And Kess, I never disliked Kess, but nope. she was never quite up to this level, unfortunately. But I think if we kept cool. her, I think if we kept her around, she would have. Uh, I I agree. She would have gotten there. I agree. All Fuck right, you, Harry. Yeah, special boy. Special fucker. Just don't do not care for him. Nope. Nobody does. No. Well, that's not true. At least one of our regular guests does. Mm. Mm. Although she is the one that coined the phrase Harry Sue, so maybe not. <laughs> still funny. Yep, yeah, still think that's great. She just thinks she likes him. Yeah. No, She'll she just likes his hair. That's all. See, I can get that. It, I don't like the words that come out of his mouth. No. That's my problem. Yeah. I mean and, and the thing is at this point, character or actor. Yeah. Because, yeah, ooh, that's, that's the latest in our Garrett oh, Long shit, says right. unpleasant things. Like he, we had that from a few weeks ago, the special boy episode where he's like, "Yeah, the women weren't hot enough." Uh, this time it was, "Yeah, so Seven of Nine said she would have sex with him, and he didn't do it. What's wrong with him?" I wanted to have sex with her. Do you not understand comedy or your character? Yeah, like the whole point is, you're, it's totally in character for you to freak out at that, and it's yeah. funny. Like, I understand if you don't get how comedy works. Comedy can be very difficult. But you've been playing this character for four years now. I think you should... You you, you know what he'll do. Yeah. And, and what not. he'll do is not seven. 
Yeah. And not suave. Nothing about that character is no. suave. He does not get the girl ever. If yep. you could play uh, like 30% more sweaty nervousness, I think we'd really be nailed there. <laughs> yep. And accidentally call her mom. That's just, to me, that's the key to that <laughs> character. Just like, he always calls the captain mom by accident, and now he would just call seven mom. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he wants to get in his mom's womb, so it's not that yep. far removed. It is... He's not like, far removed when, whatsoever. When you're learning about like uh, you know um, Oedipal complexes, he's like like the textbook example. Yep. Ooh, yeah, he wants to be inside of his mother. So correct. Well, so chew on. That. I don't know what else to say about that. Well, that's that's as good a place as any. <laughs> I think that's about right. Up, then. Uh, one final thing, Ma- I my note here. Matt's gonna love this episode with all those bird noises. That's, that's the thing you like. Yep. All right. That's all for this time. So next week is, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I always say that without having the <laughs> list handy. Let me open the list and I will tell you. Next week, ooh, is the first part of the Year of Hell two-parter that serves as the sort of uh, quintessential example of how this show gets stuff wrong for me. Yep. <laughs> so look forward to that. <laughs> next Squandered week. potential. Uh, and Bob will be joining us for that. So. Oh, excellent. Yes. Uh, Caitlin, as always, a delight. Delight. Matt, say your thing. Ah! The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. <laughs> <laughs>